Thank you so much, Lara, for reading um, for us today. And thank you, everyone that was able to join today. I'm so glad that you're here. This is the great thing about doing it online, that we can have people that are close to us, but also far from us. So thank you. And I'm really excited about sharing today because we have been praying about, you know, this new year, our church plan. We have been praying about what is the God wants to speak to us as a group of people, as a community in this time. And we believe that it's going to be a blessing for us to just study and, and see what it means to live a life, um, you know, as Pierre was saying, you know, with the upside down values of the kingdom of God, of how Jesus lived. And so today I want to start this series by talking about what does it mean to live a life in unity with God? And, you know, we have this scripture that Lara just shared, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount is when Jesus starts speaking to the people about how are we called to live um, and he just talks about different things. He, he teaches about how are we called to, you know, manage, you know, when we do prayer, how we called to do when we um, have to forgive others, when we have, you know, um, about our resources and our finances. And he just challenges so much of the society and the culture at that time in history. And I believe it's so relevant for us nowadays on how do we need to be challenged by the culture and the society that we are live in. So to start, as I was, you know, meditating on this topic of living a life in unity with God, the first question that came to my mind is, in what ways is the world influencing me? It is not a surprise that, you know, throughout this whole time, the pandemic has revealed so much of us as individuals, of our communities, but also of our leaders and how, you know, society puts so much value on certain things. So just to start, for example, um, financial stability. You know, we live in the United States, especially in Manhattan, in the city, we have these leaders coming and saying, you know, we need to continue, the economy cannot stop. People need to be out and working and being independent and being able to sustain their families, which is true. We need that, but at the same time, Jesus, when he opens this speech, let's say CNN, you know, the moment that everyone is expecting for the leader to say something, and Jesus comes and says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And in another Bible translation, it says, blessed are the poor because they recognize, they, they see their need of God. So we see how our world and our society, we put so much value on certain things, but then Jesus challenges with the things that are deep, deep, that, that the greater needs in us, you know, like we need this, but there is something that we need more and it's the presence of God in our lives. Then we have another example that I was just, you know, thinking that it's such heavy on this time for us is, you know, social media. So let's say you go into an Instagram account and then now we have these influencers are called and they have all these photos and all these pictures and they talk so much about having a joyful life and, you know, traveling and excitement and all of these things that we all know it's not, you know, 100% true for anyone, but it's how we see this value that society puts on comfort, on happiness, on, you know, enjoying life. And on the other side, we have Jesus 
talking about how you know those that are mourning those that are meek those that are experiencing persecution are going to be blessed and then you know when we see um as Pira was sharing he says like the first um the, the the last one will be the first one and how he talks about this thing where he challenges um, society and culture and how we value certain things in life and and Jesus comes to reveal the reality what deep inside of us um, and the needs that we really have so that's the first question you know and I, and I will encourage you to continue to meditate on these how in what ways is the world influencing me and then the second question that I want to you know um, have us meditate on especially in these days to come is in what ways is God influencing me? And I love this question because when I think about it, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, when you have like two friends that are, you know, they're best friends. And I don't know if this happened to you, but I have heard it many times where people are like, oh, you guys look so similar. You talk so similar. You even have words that you say that are, you know, very similar. And it's because best friends are just so close to each other that they have so much alike, right? And then when it comes to spouses, you know, we have a few people here that are married. I have even heard, oh, you know, spouses with time, they look more alike even physically. I don't understand how this exactly works, but I've heard that and I believe, you know, it is true. And, um, it is true because sometimes, you know, when you're so much time with someone, it's almost like maybe you start dressing like this person, you start acting a little bit like this person. And so there is this similarity that others around you start seeing and they're like, yeah, you know, like they look alike. And so when we talk about God and we, when we talk how God is influencing us, we talk about this exact relationship, right? Where you spend time with someone, where you spend time with God by praying, by worshiping, by listening to what he has to say today. When you wake up and you're like, God, I have a full day, full schedule. I'm so busy. My kids, you know, there are sick, so many things in my life, but first, I want to see what you have to say today. And so when we put God first in our life is when we allow this relationship to start influencing us in our everyday walk. And, you know, one of my favorite verses that I think represents this so well is in Ephesians 5, when the apostle Paul says, you know, he's talking about marriage and he says, you know, women and men are to become one flesh. And, you know, maybe we have heard about this, especially, you know, when people get married in a wedding, sometimes they say women and men become one flesh. But then um, you have him saying, um, he, after that, he says, and I know this is a mystery, but I'm talking about Jesus and the church. So that's the point that I want to make today. We're talking about this, you know, unity and this communion that, that happens in a marriage. And then the apostle says, I know it's crazy. And I know it sounds like all it's a mystery, but this is our representation of Jesus and the church of us, the people of God, the church and Jesus, God himself, and how we can become one with him in this unity. So, um, you know, many of us, I'm going to talk about this word. I know it's a little of a big word for some of us, sanctification. But the reason why I think it's like very important that we understand the meaning of this word is because many of us, when we talk about a life with God, we start thinking about, okay, I have to go to church. I have to read my Bible. You know, like I have to pray in the morning before I go to bed. Even if I'm falling asleep, I need to pray anyway. So, you know, I need to be awake. And so you start having all these lists and all these 
these things that we need to do. And we have it like as a to-do list, we have it as all these things are requirements that we have to do. And there is so many religions that you actually have to do a list of things in order for you to attain salvation, in order for you to attain this relationship with God. But when it comes to Christianity, that is not true. That is just so wrong. And the truth is that the only way that we will attain salvation and actually go to heaven is the moment that we accept Jesus as our Savior we repent of our sins and we decide to live a life with Jesus so even if you know we do that today we already get our ticket to heaven we're already saved we're good to go we're going to be in heaven now if you don't die after a minute or in a year or in 10 years then that's going to depend on you and on me how we live our life with God so we can have an intense and beautiful and just so, you know, fulfill life with God, or we can just decide to be like, you know, I'm going to go to church on Sundays and read the Bible here and there. And so you decide. So that process that we have from the day that we accept Jesus until the day that we um, go to heaven, it's called sanctification. It's as simple as that. And I love how Paul, um, again, you know, he I love how this verse represents so well the meaning of sanctification. In Philippians, Paul says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So it says that sanctification is the moment that it started, you know, when we accepted Jesus until we are with him. And, you know, we're talking about this big world and this idea of being close to God, but some of you may be like, Andrea, I'm more of like a everyday person. Like I need you to give me an example where I can really grasp what you're trying to talk. And don't worry, I got you because I am like you. So today we're gonna use as our example, the movie Moana. And this is actually Leo's favorite. And I will say only movie that can entertain him for more than one minute. Like this is his favorite movie. We put it on and he's like, sold out he loved it so as i have been watching it you know a few times um i think it's a beautiful representation of what i'm trying to communicate in this message and to give you an, a little bit of a, an understanding of what happened with moana with those that are not familiar with the movie moana is this young woman that she has this desire to be in the water she since she's a little girl she barely can walk and she's trying to run into the water she just loves the water she wants to learn to sail she wants to swim she wants to be there but there is one problem her dad who is the chief of the island which who is the chief of the village which with right now it's only on an island right he says we cannot leave this island and we cannot go beyond the reef so that's the only role he has you can enjoy this paradise of an island but you cannot go beyond the reef and so of course Moana always has this challenge of wanting to do so but she's also called to be the chief when her father dies so she has to learn about the life in the in the island and so she struggles with this but one day her grandmother brings her into this cave and she shows her all the big boats for sailing to be in the deep waters and she's like whoa and then she has this vision where she sees that her her island, her people, her community, her village, they used to be 
Voyagers, Voyagers. I have a problem pronouncing this word, <laughs> Voyagers. Um, so she comes out, there is this moment in the movie that she comes out of the, this cave and she's like, we were Voyagers. And she starts crying and you can see, she doesn't cry, sorry. She starts like looking with these happy eyes and she's so excited. And you can tell in that moment that it's almost like she realized what she was born for and that she was always right that she was like oh now i understand why i always had this desire and passion to be in the water and so and then the grandma says we have forgotten who we are because of course the grandma is a huge advocate for them to be in the water so now um i want to call you know the, this group of people which is you know moana representing here the ones that we don't know so we are the group of people that we don't know that we can experience a life where we are close to the heart of God, where we experience a life that is fulfilled with God. That yes, we have needs. Yes, we have to work. We have everything that we have to do. But there is a need inside of us that we say, I feel like there is something else to life and I do not know what it is and I do not understand what it is. And there is a lot of people that don't have access to Christianity, that they have never heard the name of Jesus, that they have never heard anything related to Christianity. And I believe there is a group of people that is there. But then there is people that know about this gospel, that know about Christianity, but they don't know that they can have a life that is fulfilled in God. And so they're always trying to find their purpose and they're always trying to understand the reason why they are alive, but it's so hard for them and it's a challenge. And it's like Moana, you know, she has this passion, but she didn't even know there were boats. She didn't even know this was a reality at some point in their life. So I would like to call this group of people the ones that we don't know. Now there is another group of people, the ones that we know, but we don't fully experience it. And for those that are familiar with Moana, now I'm gonna talk about the dad. But for those that you know are not familiar, the dad, um, he's the um, he's the chief of this village, and you know he doesn't want anyone to go beyond the reef, and, and you might wonder why. And you know one day Moana's mom, she's sitting down with her, and she's like, Moana, your dad used to be like you. She used to have this huge desire to be in the water. She used to be wanting to be, you know, sailing, you know, in the waters, enjoying. But you know what happened one day? She, he tried to go in. He tried to do it. He was with his best friend and he had this accident and his friend died. So when he comes out of the water, he makes one decision. No one ever again is going to cross the reef. And, you know, you think about it and it's a little bit understandable if you have a traumatizing experience like that, or if you wanted to do something and you fail or if you're rejected, you know, there are so many things that can happen, there is going to be a result after that experience. So in this case, he doesn't only influence himself as of like, I'm not going to go beyond the reef ever again, but he has a place of authority in this village and he says no one ever again goes beyond the reef. So we have um, this group of people that have had past experiences. It can be fear, resentment, rejection. You can call it, you know, different names. But let's say someone that, you know, someone was sick and you pray for this person to, to be healed and it was not healed and the person dies and you're like, God, why did you allow this to happen? And you just like don't want to, you know, like go fully into um, a life with God. 
So there is this, you know, one group of people. Um, but then also we have in this same group of people, um, the ones that just like comfort. And sadly, I have been there for so long myself, where I say, you know, this life of having a deep relationship with Jesus, where you actually embody what Lara just shared, where you, um, you know, leave these verses out when you're sick, when you're mourning, when you're sad, when you're feeling all these things that Jesus says that we're going to be blessed, that we can rejoice, that our reward is in heaven and not on earth, we are still at peace. We're still knowing that God is good. So, you know, I also... Um, feel so identified with this group because it is so much easier to be influenced by society, to be influenced by the world. And yes, go to church on Sundays, of course. And yes, you know, pray here and there, be a good person, do things the way that, you know, they're supposed to be good in the standards of society. So I will say there is a big portion of us and even sometimes, you know, I'm tempted and I'm challenged and I'm like, it's so much easier to live, you know, with the standards of the world and the standards of, you know, how the world does things than to be persecuted, like, and be happy to just be meek and mourn. And that just sounds so challenging and so hard. Um, so I would like to call this group of people the ones that we know that we don't fully experience it. And the sad thing with this group of people, as we see it in Moana's dad, is that we're not only preventing us to experience a life full of Jesus, it's also that we're preventing those around us and influencing those around us to also not experience fully a life with Jesus. You know, and you may be saying, you know, Andrea, I'm not in the ones that we don't know. And, you know, I'm not in the ones that we don't know, but don't really experience it. I'm like fully experiencing it. And for those that are in that group where you're like, Andrea, right now I'm like Moana at the end of the movie. I'm like, just like sailing my boat. I'm like enjoying my life with Jesus. I was just going to encourage you to continue to do so and to pursue this life of leaving the upside down values of the kingdom of God close to the heart of Jesus and really to embody in, you know, these teachings that Jesus shared with us in the Sermon of the Mountain and to really um, enjoy this time and to be contagious to others, to share with others that others will see you and they will see God. You know, as I was just sharing about marriage, that when you're so alike to someone, that's just my prayer for that group of people that are experiencing it, that we will really see these people, we will see the passion and the heart, and that we will be able to see a glimpse of God and a glimpse of heaven and what a relationship with him means. And so, you know, as as we, um, as I'm finishing out this, um, this message, um, I want to give you an opportunity. And this is an opportunity where you can act. And we believe, you know, Pierre and I as a family, as a marriage, as a church, that the word of God is written, but then the word of God is also a way for us to make action, to take action and, and to live by it. So, you know, one of the teachings, let's say, for example, is about forgiving others and he says like oh when someone does something to you like Jesus says that you should forgive and you should forgive seven times 70 and you know there is all these teachings that are so kind of cultural so I read it and that's great 
but then I have to act on it. And if I don't act on it, then what I read, it's not really deep in my heart. It's just here in my mind. So, you know, I want to give you an opportunity after what I share and to continue to meditate on this throughout the days to come. But I want to give you an opportunity and we call this like, it's just going to be an opportunity for you to imagine you're holding something. Imagine right now in your hand, I'm holding this, right? So I'm holding to things that the world is influencing me. I'm holding to habits. I'm holding to fears. I'm holding to feelings, to things that I know are not part of the way that I can experience more of God, right? So to have that relationship and communion and, and living with God, there's things that we all struggle with. It doesn't matter where you are in, 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 in what part of your relationship with God are you, it doesn't matter. Um, we all have these struggles, right? So I would encourage you to, you know, um, respond to this question in your heart. You don't have to do it out loud, but what do I need to let go? And I want to give you, uh, you know, a moment to reflect on what do I need to let go from society, from the culture, from my routine, from things that are preventing me. Maybe it's not a person like Moana's that. Maybe it's something that, you know, it's just like in the back of your mind all the time. Yes. If I would have, you know, take out this and let go of this, I could experience a more intimate relationship with God. And then the second question is, what do I need to hold on to? And it's very graphic. So if you're holding on to something and I give you something else, you can't receive it, right? So once you let go of this thing, then you're able to receive another thing. And I think that is an intimate relationship with God, where we are able to experience, embody, and live out the upside down values that Jesus talks about on these verses where we are able to be blessed, even though a million things can happen around us. And, you know, just to finish in my own experience, um, I had to let so many things. I will include even my, my country. I have friends here that are from Peru and, and you know, living the, the things that you know, the things that you enjoy, your job, so many things in life that, you know, God can cause us to let go. But I'm going to promise you one thing everything that I left behind, my job, you know, my friends, my language, those that are English as second language, that's a huge one. Everything that I left behind, just to know God a little bit more, it is so worth it. And it is not only worth it, it's still hard. There are days that I'm like, I just want to go back to Peru. They're having a summer time and I'm here um, with snow. So there are days that I want to go back, but just to know that I know God a little bit more and that I'm a little closer to him and that I can experience him a little bit more I will go to like the coldest place in the world you know I'm just like so in love with Jesus so I just want to encourage you with that word that it is so worth it that it is not easy and it is going to be hard but it is so worth it and beautiful so I'm just going to ask Piero to close with us in prayer thank you